Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. I am your host, Christy Haberman. I am glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. A few disclaimers before we get started. I am a licensed therapist. However, this podcast is not to be considered mental health therapy or counseling. It is for entertainment purposes only and is not associated with my counseling practice, Christy Haberman Counseling Services. Thanks for showing up. Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. Today we have Matt's mom that's going to talk about what it's like to be a grieving mom. So we're going to hear her story today. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, My story, I think I would start out with saying uh, who Matt was uh, to us as a family. He is the youngest of three. Um, He was my only son. He was crazy since birth. That kid has drove me nuts since he was born. Um, Definitely the one that always needed something from me. Um, I think that I love that about him because the other ones of my daughters are so independent and my son was just so like mom, 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 mom all the time. Like it was just always mom. So, you know, you kind of just tend to fall for that, you know, one that needy one, they're always getting, everybody thinks you're babying, but you just, you know, maybe you are, who knows, but that was who Matt was. He was very needy and had his opinion about everything, whether it was food or what we were watching on TV or where where we were going or and how we were going there. He um, definitely was um, very close to me. Um, we talked text every single day. He still lived at home. Um, he was 19 when I lost him uh, in a car accident, a single car accident, um, which was, I mean, as, as we all know, as grieving parents, no matter how you lose your kid, it's just horrific. It, it's never anything that we're prepared for at all. No matter, we all know that's our worst nightmare, but when it happens, boy, it really gives you a very, very clear picture of this pain that you could have never, ever imagined in life, I feel like. Um, again, I mean, you're always scared as a mom, like, about your kids always and you you could even cry almost even thinking about that reality happening but when it happens that cry is like something of a primal animal or something I, I I can remember specifically when they came to tell me I just screamed in horror you know like no 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 like this is not there's no way you know not my mat not my maddie no way. Like he just left. Like I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it at all. All I wanted to know was where he was. That's what I kept doing. Just asking where he was. They told me I did get to see my son, um, though he was no longer with us. I, I did see him and my daughters met us there and they're older. So it, that was very hard. Um, they thought we were, cause were like an over I'm overprotective mom they thought I was being dramatic that that he was alive still they didn't know when they got there that he was already gone so that was something to walk into really hard you know to see your daughters one's panicking like make sure he looks okay because mom's walking down the hall and the other one's just on the floor 
and I, I, you kind of almost lose a lot of memory of like what's going on around you. You're hyper-focused on what happened here. Like it was so utterly shocking. And I can remember just everything fading out around me and just being present in that room, in that area, like with, with my daughters and uh, I had my husband grab my mom and um, it, it was just unreal, an unreal experience. And um, I didn't know what to do, you know, who, who was ready for that? I mean, even if you were ready, even if you had some kind of knowledge that it was gonna happen, you're never prepared for that moment. But uh, his being sudden, I remember the nurse saying, what are you going to do? I can't tell you to leave until the coroner gets here. And I was shocked by that statement because I was, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, it was Easter weekend. So, and it was a Saturday. So apparently, you know, I could have stayed there for a long time. I, I got now thinking back, I guess I could have stayed until Monday when they probably picked him up. I didn't know at the time. Um, I remember everything kind of going into like a slow motion, like almost like you're not even in your body, but you are, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I felt like my legs grew into the floor in that hospital. Like I did not want to leave that place. I, I knew he was no longer there, but I, I couldn't imagine walking away from him. I've never done that with him. So I, I, I was pretty much carried out of there is what my husband explains it as. And, um, you know, you just, even up until everything happens with the mortuaries and all those things that happen, you just constantly, you know, their body's still here. So you, where are they? What, who has them? Who's touching them? Like all these crazy thoughts that are going through your head. It is the mom. Like, that's my child. What, what person has my child, even though, you know, they're gone. And I think that in that instant, in the first, you know, weeks and months after losing your child, you definitely are on autopilot. There's no other way to even to function. I don't think if somebody wasn't just on some autopilot of just go, I get, it's been described to me as like someone was leading me around and I was just doing what I had to do to make it through each day. I remember being extremely angry. I, you know, I had some moments even where I screamed at God, I screamed at anybody that I could scream at out loud. Like, why? Like, why my child? This is not real. Like, and um, people just start showing up, you know, everybody shows up on that day one like it's like it's like you get bum rushed by the entire universe is all of a sudden in my house and you're sitting there and it's like they're all talking when you're just in your own world I could hear people laughing in the background and thinking what are they laughing about like are they even talking about Matt like but you wouldn't say anything because you're in this this haze and it seemed like it went on for a while there was a lot of support in the beginning. And I think parents that have lost a child, this is something that they, that I've seen a lot with a lot of the moms that I've talked to is there was this massive outpouring of love and support. 
And then suddenly it was just like, all of a sudden they're gone. And, and you're just sitting there going, where did, where did all the support go? Where did everything go? Like, where did everyone go? They went back to their lives. They went back to their normalcy when we don't have that now, we don't have normalcy. Like we are still in that moment forever. I don't think that ever changes for parents. At least, you know, in my experience, I am still in that moment where I lost him. Even if I don't show it, even if I'm walking down the street and someone looks at me, I'm still in that moment where I lost Matt. And I, as time went on the first year, I want to say the first year to year and a half, I feel like I was really foggy or really just not paying attention to a lot of the things, even the people kind of going back, it didn't hit me. And then it's like, it all lifted one day. And I was like in the reality of the loss. Whereas somehow that, that weird fog or that, that protection, that autopilot had, not that I wasn't hurting, but it was different. It was like hitting, getting hit straight in the face with it, like wide open. Um, I guess you could compare it to like, you, you know, being on drugs or something and then coming off and then being like, whoa, this is real life. Like it, it was, it was an interesting moment. And that's, I think when I realized um, the secondary loss issue where I had become like real to me that I lost friends that I had had for my lifetime. I lost family. I lost relationships. And I don't know if it was my fault or the way I was acting or their fear of that, such a traumatic loss. Like it was contagious, you know, like, oh my gosh, if I hang out here too long, this happened to me type thing. I've never really asked any, anyone that's left. So I don't know, know what they would respond. I've heard people uh, say like to my husband, I just don't know what to say to her. So they kind of stay away. And I feel like parents that lose a child, I think that educating yourself on secondary loss is really important because it can become very painful. It did for me. And I was, I didn't understand it at all. I was like, what is this? Where it, what is wrong with everyone? Like, I remember being told to get over it. I, I kept thinking it, like it, you mean my child? Like, wow, you know, that <laughs> statement in itself, like get over it. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, like I didn't just stub my toe or like, you know, put the wrong nail polish on. Like I, I lost my, my baby. Like I, I was, then I would get angry, but it wasn't until I started to realize what secondary loss really was that I was able to say, you know what, if they need to go and they aren't comfortable being here with me in this journey that I now will be on for life, then, then that is what needs to happen for me. And I think as, as a grieving parent, you have to think about what you need because you're just so vulnerable to everything. I mean, every statement can trigger something. So I think we have to protect ourselves. And I think if those people need to leave, I, I think we need to kind of let them go. If they come back, they will. But I would, I would definitely suggest looking up secondary losses and investigating that further if, if you unfortunately are in our position. Um, the next 
thing that I noticed, I mean, in the beginning, I actually recorded myself, like, <laughs> sounds really weird, but I thought I was going to, like, find some, like, great reveal. I couldn't believe it. And when I rewatched these recordings of myself, I'm like, what was I doing? I had no clue, but I really thought there was going to be this reveal of why I lost my child, like, why me, why math? why this like I was going to be able to give everyone the answers they needed it didn't happen what I realized is what I needed to do and, and how we met you know through Instagram is just share my journey with other people that are grieving in in some way hoping that it will help them on their journey or giving them a, someone to talk to that won't judge them or or think well you're crazy or you know, I can't believe you were doing that or you need that safe space. And I think when I looked back, I was like, wow, I, I really thought there was going to be this great reveal and there wasn't. And um, now with the parents that I talk to, I realize that everything that I'm feeling is very normal in grief, especially um, isolation. You start to isolate yourself. Um, like your loss of identity, like, I mean, who are you? I, I can remember dressing business professional every day, hair done, heels, all this stuff. Heck no. After I lost Matt, I was like jeans, sneakers, and you're lucky if my hair's done. Like that is it. Like I'm, I have no energy for that anymore. And I mean, sometimes I'm like, that's sad that i don't feel like doing that anymore but I I guess I just it wasn't didn't become important to me anymore it was like I started to see the world through a different set of eyes I it, not that I don't think looking good and dressing nice is, is wonderful but I I was like in the big picture of things as long as I'm showering and I clean and I'm, I'm decent, I'm, I don't need to go, you know, putting on stilettos every single day, you know, if I, if I don't have to do that. So that changed me, my whole identity of who I was, it changed. I can remember caring before Matt died if, if I didn't have my makeup on and I answered the door. Afterwards, I was like, you're lucky if I'm not wearing his clothes and have my hair done at all. <laughs> I will still open the door but it changed me and the identity of me completely. Um, I think that finding people that, like I was saying, you can have support with for grieving parents is extremely important. And um, I, I've said before, I mean, a lot, of, whatever works for people, therapy, grief therapy or counseling, if that helps them, I've when I lost my father when I was younger, I did hypnotherapy. I've, I've done a lot of different things, but I've found that just talking with other parents has become a therapy to me. Um, and, and, and letting them, because a lot of them don't have anyone to talk to. And if they tell you their story of their child, they share their life, their child with you. And that's amazing to me that, that they're doing that. You know, they're sharing this very sensitive topic with me and if I'm able to help them in any way through that day through that moment that's even amazing because sometimes I have a hard time helping myself you know I think that we all put on 
a very good mask every day as years go by. Um, like I was telling you, I'm only at year three and it is very real and very painful, very lonely. Your house is empty, um, silence when you come home from work, no one's here, you know, you're in your own world. You have to find things to keep your mind preoccupied. And you put yourself out there like you're doing or, or I do to, to try to keep yourself from basically, I, I, I mean, not in a horrible way to say this, but from going insane because that pain is so horrific. Just mentally attacks you physically and mentally. I mean, you can feel the effects of losing your child. Um, I know there, there's a actual documentation on people dying from a broken heart. And I can 100% understand that feeling, that panic and your heart racing and your mind just doesn't stop. But, uh, and I, I say it all the time. And like, you know, we always say it as grieving moms. I don't wish this on anyone. And then as soon as I say that, someone else will reach out or I'll, or I'll get a new friend request and it's another grieving mom. And I'm like, oh no, there's just so many of us. Like, why? And you never get the answer to why. I don't think we ever will, you know, get that answer. And uh, I, I think that all we can do is really just reach out to each other and be that support for one another. And, and sh at least with, that way we can share without that, that huge guilt of burdening others or bringing people down. I've heard that one before, like when we weren't invited somewhere, it was because someone would show up that knew that we lost our child, but everyone else already knew and they didn't want that person to bring it up because it was a downer. And I remember thinking, that's a downer to you? Like the imagine being me like I'm over here keeping it together and you're over here upset because the mention of my child is going to bring things down so I I truly feel like finding somewhere where you can share you know your child's life without feeling like you're bringing someone down is very important because they deserve to be remembered and honored and we lost our future with them so all we have is our memories. So those stories, those moments, those things that made us laugh about them, that's what we cling to. And I, I definitely think that other grieving parents need to know that just because you remember the child you lost doesn't mean you don't love your other children. I've heard that one a lot of times too. You know, you have other kids to love for, you have the, i very well aware of that. You know, I know, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> But um, I think that's a good thing to remember. I, you read a lot of books and I've read a lot and I, and I think it was very important. This one book I read where they were talking about the empty chair scenario we all know so well. And the gentleman, it was actually a dad, which is very rare. You get those dads to open up, man, it's rare. But it, he had said, it's not necessarily that exact chair. It's that that chair is never going to be sat in. It's never, you can move it anywhere around the table. It's, it could be any one of the chairs. It's just not gonna ever be there again. So you do focus a little bit on that chair, but 
as a family, as a unit, we all know when we're together, that person is not here. And I, I think that some parents feel guilty for noticing that person isn't there or that they have to act like it doesn't exist, but there are ways um, to honor them that I think are important. I try to do it with my daughter and my grandkids. We, my, my little granddaughter, then my youngest, she's three years old and she'll look at his picture and she'll be like, oh, it's Uncle Matt, he's beautiful. That's what she says. You know, she was just a little over three. She was born before he passed, but, and I think what a wonderful thing my daughter's done to honor him to the point where my little granddaughter will look at him and say, he's beautiful, not run in fear. Of we're going to have a crying session and freak out, but she looks to him as this guardian angel of hers. This, she sees a feather, she picks it up and says, it's from Uncle Maddie, like, there's just ways of doing it that I think are okay for the kids. And then there's ways where we go in our room and we shut the doors, moms, and we lose it. I don't, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do this, really. I, I have my good days. I have my bad days. But I will honestly tell you, there's not a second that my son's not running through my mind. Ever. Even if I look like I'm thinking about you know, a flower or something. I'm thinking about my son. I truly am always thinking of him or I wishing he was here or what is he, what he's missing out on. He was such a wonderful uncle, such a loving brother, such a loving son. And as a, a grieving parent to another grieving parent, my best advice, I guess I could give is, is support and knowing that you're not crazy. And this is really, really horrific journey that we are on. I told my husband one day, I said, it's almost like we're like in a war zone or a battlefield, but we don't know it. If I could just lift the veil and see all of the other parents doing the same thing I'm doing, how sad is that for one? But we all are actually on that same journey and and we all handle it differently. We all do it differently, but there's so many of us. It really isn't, I hate that, but. I think that's one of the blessings of social media. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. I, I randomly started a private Instagram because you know, don't let anybody know how you're grieving. Hide that, you know, don't let, don't let your kids know that you're hurting this bad or, or you know, where they think you're obsessing over this or that. I, and I did, I made it private and I've been shocked at the amount of parents that I have met that actually thank me for, for sharing Matthew or some have actually called me brutally honest and then unfollowed me. <laughs> you know, we all have our own ways, but I just feel like, you know what, I have to, if I wake up and I feel angry and I want to go somewhere to show someone how, you know what, today I, I feel angry. And this is why, this is the emotion I'm going through. It's, it's kind of journaling in a way too, for me, getting that expression out, but being able to have another mom say, oh, I needed this today, or, you know, I'm here with you or understand where you're coming from. Social media is definitely helped in those senses, you know, how we meet each other. 
and we do need each other for sure. Yeah, 10 years ago when Christopher died, um, there was not the support that there is now. Yeah, I, I could imagine that. Yeah. It's very hidden. Well, I was talking to strangers in the store. <sighs> I was so I mean, desperate and so lonely. I was talking to strangers in the store. I could, I, I well, you know, in that word, I called it word vomit stage where you just told everyone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've done that. I have done that. I even told Spectrum once on the phone. They were like, oh, but I, yeah. And the store, that's a fun place to go as a grieving mom. Right. Yeah, that's it. I actually met a lady once uh, that from Instacart <laughs> that made a delivery and her son had just passed and she just randomly blurted it out. And I knew why I was like, she's in that, that she just said it right to me. And, and how odd that she would come to my house. And I, now I'm in tears. She's in tears. We're hugging like, like here she's just delivering because I have social anxiety at the grocery store. So that's how we met. But, and, and she shared everything with me about her son. And, and I just listened to her because I knew where she was, you know, and it, and it was, so sad to actually like you know you meet on social media I, a lot of the moms I don't actually meet this is like face-to-face -face, sudden interaction and yeah 10 years ago I I could imagine that would be very isolating very difficult yeah. are you ever afraid to tell people that like because I have people from my past like high school for example and I had Christopher right after high school and so I see them but I turn around and walk the other way because I don't want to tell them because you don't know how they're going to react. Do you ever have that experience? Um, I'm, I'm pretty, like I was saying, I have like that social and, you know, luckily for technology, I have, you know, Instacart and all these things. Um, a lot of people I notice will actually turn to avoid me, which is interesting. Like they'll kind of be like, mm, I don't want to go over there. I, not that I would, you know, I, I run a business. I interact with people every day. I, I don't go throwing everything on them, but I, I, I have not wanted to interact with people. I can say that. I don't know if I've seen anyone and turned around, but I have not, I have that feeling of isolating, you know, to protect like myself from, I don't know, I either having to tell them or if I did tell them their reaction being like so nonchalant or something that it would hurt my feelings, that they didn't care. I think that's another big thing. I, I noticed myself limiting even on personal, on my personal, like social media outlets, limiting my exposure of Matthew because I'm afraid of their reaction is going to hurt my feelings you know, like they don't care enough. Like if I post something happy, everyone's going to be like, yay. If I post a picture of Matthew, they're going to be like nothing, no like, no nothing, no nothing at all. So then my reaction will be of pain. They don't know that, but, and they don't know that I'm posting a picture of Matthew because I love him. I miss him. Not, not looking for you to pity me. I'm, he is my, just as much a child of mine as any of my other children. And 
so yeah, I've, I think I've like, in a different way avoided interactions for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I too have experienced the distancing of friends and family. So it's interesting to hear you say that because that was one of the things that I was curious about um, was if that happened to other people. A lot, a lot. And it, it's crazy to, it'll, to me, like for me personally, um, it happened very closely too. Like I, I said, I lost my father when I was very young. And my brother and I were super close and, and now we're not as like we were. And he was one of the ones that want, wanted me to get over it, you know, get over it, move on. You know, we have, we raised our kids real closely, like because of losing our dad. And then for him to say that to me, kind of just like, it hurt so bad that how could you say that about your nephew? Like, and I don't know if he meant it that way, technically, you know, um, not like get over it or don't love Matthew. I don't think he meant it in those terms, but I have lost a lot of interaction with my family because of those things like this, this get over it type mentality that I hear from people that I'm just like, I don't want to get over it. I don't, you don't get over this. Like I, I just, I, I don't want to or feel the need to get over it. I'm, I'm living it. I get up every day, I go to work, I do what I'm supposed to do. I, I you know, I cook, I clean, I, I'm loving to my children and my grandkids, but I, there's definitely been very close family that I have lost that, that relationship with. Um, and it's, it's, it hurt it still hurts. Uh, friends, I, like the ones that don't talk to me as much, I don't think those ones hurt as bad as the family. The family hurt worse. That, that loss hurt worse than losing that friend because I kind of just understood the friend just wanted to go back on with life and, you know, when they see you there, it makes them sad that you lost your child and they couldn't imagine losing theirs and they they just go on with their life. But I do think family was the worst secondary loss experience for me. I mean, after losing Matt. Um, and then I would also say like your own self identity is a big loss. Like oh, yeah. that one right there is a real big one. And uh, trying to figure out who you are in this body. Like, okay, I was this person, but I don't feel like that person anymore. You know, I would say, uh, anger had has become like an issue that I've noticed that I never noticed in myself before. I'm not saying angry in the fact that I'm going to go punch someone, but like this, like, oh, just frustration, like, and it's over, nothing happened right now. It's just that I think that because I lost my son and that this is now my life, I think that makes me angry. I'm not thinking at the time when I'm getting angry, but I know that deep down, that's where it's coming from. That's the spot it's coming from. Instead of crying or something, I'll just feel like this, like need to just be mad at something for no reason, but that's where it's coming from. My... Yeah, because sometimes I want to escape it. 
that's the thing that, you know, if I could just put it down for a while mm-hmm. and you, you, know can, and you I, can't, you can't. And I, you know what I'll notice myself doing too, is either overworking, like work, 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 work all the time because you know, why? Because there, cause my mind's staying busy or I'll find myself doing weird researching things or anything to just keep my brain moving in some kind of a way because when I stop it's going straight to that moment those visions repeating it like you know PTSD for sure going on in your head what you saw what you experienced over and over and over again so I find you do start to either like overwork or my mom says um OCD cleaning she says I do that but it's just like something you're just always trying to do something because once you stop you're you're right there you know I you're just right back there and I know moms that have have it's been 20 years 30 years it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that pain you're it's going it's going with you he was supposed to be he they were supposed to be with us so they're it's not going anywhere we carry it and we get tired yeah exhausted literally I can some days feel pure exhaustion from carrying this and and continuing on and putting on you know that your your face to be there for the world like I have to we all have to go to work and we have to pay our bills and we have to do what we have to do so we have to put this persona out there that we are these strong confident you know people really inside I mean we're broken in there um and people will look at you and tell you you're so strong and you're thinking you have no idea the energy it took me to even get to where I am right now today but you know you just politely you know thank them and and learn to control that word vomit you have in the beginning but yeah strength is it I didn't even know what strength was until I have to get up in the morning most days and I'm like I don't I don't want to face it I don't want to face people I don't want to face even like a um if you hear people having like random conversations that before you were so easily like oh yes, we're talking about, you know, going to Olive Garden tomorrow or something like that. You're just kind of like sitting there like, uh, like it has no like meaning to it. So it like loses my attention. And then I'm like, what a jerk. Like, don't do that, Rachel. Like what's wrong with you? This is a normal conversation, but in my mind, if I don't stay busy, I will not want to be involved in one of those conversations at all. And then I'll look like I'm mean. So I have to have to watch myself on that one, but I do find that if I don't stay busy, if I don't keep my mind learning or active, I will immediately rush right back to that that moment. Thank you, Matt's mom, for your interview for Grieving Insomniacs today. We talked so much and had so much to say to each other that the episode actually went a little bit longer. So our interview with Matt's mom will be spread out over two podcast episodes. This week, we talk about um, the story of Matt, some of the things that she would like other grieving parents to know. I know I appreciate the conversation, 
and helps normalize some of the things that I went through, which is one of the goals of my podcast. I hope it normalizes some of the things that you're currently go, going through. So once again, thank you for Matt's mom to coming on to the interview. You can find Grieving Insomniacs on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Please like and subscribe. It really helps my podcast out. Give me a follow over on Instagram and on Facebook. I also have a website, christyhaberman.com, where it lists also all of my other podcasts. And you can check out more of my story on amazon.com in my book called The Solitary Journey Through Grief. So listen in next week to see the, to hear the second half of Matt's mom's story.